our next storyteller has not been in this building since 1952. I am not joking about that. Uh, when it was a very different place. And uh, Donna has several great stories for us about what Anchorage used to be like. Uh, all right. Well, my folks came up from Texas in 1939. They wanted to find gold and they wanted a homestead. So they drove up to Seattle and it took seven days on the Alaska steamship to get up here. And uh, when they got here, they had to walk up the hill on the bluff area, and there was just a little muddy rut road, uh, 4th and 5th Avenue were just barely there. No roads were passed night, and those were survey lines. And so they spent uh, two or three years trying to get everything together. Dad uh, got on at the Alaska Railroad uh, immediately, and they worked... Uh, so that uh, he could buy some saws and axes and pack boards and whatever, snowshoes, because uh, he knew he was going to homestead. And uh, meanwhile, my sister and I were born, and uh, Dad said, he said, we need to stake out a homestead. So we went to the land office, and they said, well, up on the upper Chugach uh, is all open. And uh, so there were no lights, nothing there, whatever type. Uh, and so Dad said, well, I'm way back out there. Well, there was no roads. There were survey lines, and there was a little access road next to the railroad where the railroad fellows could, uh, you know, tin the uh, tracks and everything. So we got on the railroad, went out to Potter's Marsh, and Dad said, here's where we want to get off. So we got off, and Dad looked up. He said, someplace about up in there is where I want to be. So we just went around Potter's Marsh, went up through the woods, and we got up there to a little flat place, which is now Bear Valley, where Bear Valley School is. And uh, Dad turned around. You could see Fire Island and the Alaska Range. He said, this is it. So we staked out a homestead, and we realized after years it was three miles down and the three miles back up. And pretty soon the survey line came out and people were had Jeeps and stuff. Uh, occasionally they would come out. Of course, most of them would get stuck. And, but uh, they, it, it pushed uh, as far as where Rabbit Creek goes right now. And so we were able to drive out there and, and then eventually uh, the road came, went in later than that. But uh, we, uh, we had to pack everything we had up to our homestead. Well, we, we finally got saws and axes and everything, and so we cut down timber and stuff right where we wanted to build our place. And we, we uh, cut the logs down, and we uh, uh, used our draw knife to peel them, and my sister and I chinked moss and stuff into the cracks, whatever the stuff, and we lived in a wall tent meanwhile. And so uh, pretty soon there was a fellow who, Mr. Winchester he was called, had a nice D8 cat, and he moved down a little farther in, in the lower skirts of where Dearman is now. And he says, well, why don't I push a road up there to your house, whatever. So eventually, a little muddy rut road. Most of the time, we couldn't even get up there because we had to corrugate the road with all kind of trees that we cut. And then most of the time, we spent digging out. So we put our pack boards on and stuff and pack whatever groceries we had. And there weren't stores in those days like there are now. So we lived off of moose and fish, and we picked berries and uh, for jams and jellies and syrups. And so we did lots of canning and everything. And I, at age of five, I started going with my dad moose hunting. 
Well, it wasn't too far because usually we could look out uh, our front window and usually the first hour of moose season, something came by, whatever, you know, and kind of reached. No, yeah. So, <laughs> so we had moose, which was good. But uh, I shot my first moose when I was nine years old. And dad told me, he said, now you can go uh, and walk for miles to hunt moose, but if you'll see where they come down through the valleys, they feed early in the morning and late at night, uh, sit there and you can call, they'll come to you. And that's true. <laughs> so I learned to call moose or whatever, in fact, <laughs> This year at the Alaska State Fair, they had Alaska Moose Calling Contest, and I won first place. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was surprised. I was the only woman, 15 guys. I says, well, I don't have a chance. He <laughs> says, well, you actually sounded like a moose. I said, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it worked. So, so we... Yeah. Uh, Oh, 30 seconds. Well, a moose and a cow call, a bull and a cow call are two different ball games, whatever. Because if you're out hunting moose, uh, if you sound like a bull, a lot of times that's real intimidating and they run off, you know, if they hear another bull, whatever, unless they're a good sized bull. So you want to sound like a cow or a lonely cow or whatever that is, you know. <laughs> And then here's the bull, and yeah, okay, and the bull always comes to where you are. And I am a hunting guide today. I've done hunting for 52 years, and you can sit here and you tell your clients to sit over here, here, because they're going to come to you and just make sure that you shoot before they get to me, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But well, a, a bull, whatever, uh, as I said, they can get pretty excited times, but if you hear the... Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, that's a bull moose, if you hear that, whatever, and a cow moose, whatever, and then I kind of, dad said it was kind of like a bell shape, you kind of start low and then high and then down, oh boy, a moose, man, they're, they're after, whatever, so it's a cow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, uh, <yeah>. oh boy. <laughs> anyway, we need to get to this. Uh, my dad finally, we got to where we could get home in our, the, the old Jeep. He, had, he, he made a, a skid, log skid, and he brought home an old-fashioned bathtub. We had no running water or anything, no septic, you know, at that time. We went down to the creek, and you'd bring the water and heat it. But uh, I thought, wow, a bathtub, you know. So dad had a, there's a great big uh, tree a uh, spruce tree, and he trimmed the leaves or the uh, the limbs off, shoved the tub up underneath the tree, and then cut wood and everything and stacked it on one side. So you would go out to the fire pit, heat your water in your five-gallon blazo can, pour it over in there, and then you get under there and take your bath. You know, that was great. Well, I went out of the tent one morning, 
And I went over there, and evidently, sometime prior to that, a little baby porcupine had climbed up on top and fell over in the bathtub. And of course, it's pretty slick, you know. So here he's standing on his hind legs, jumping up, trying to get out. And all I could hear was the little toenails, click, 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 click. <laughs> so I ran back in. I said, Mother, there's a porcupine tap dancing in her bathtub. <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but she said, yeah, you did. <laughs> so anyway, we started digging our well. Of course, hand digging, that's the only way. Mother would get down there, and she'd use a pick and shovel. Then my sister and I uh, would be up there, and we had a windlass thing with a big rope onto a big bucket down there. And she would fill the bucket, and we'd pull it up and dump it out. And then when Dad was there in the evenings or the weekends, you know, he would take turn. And we had split logs, and we pushed them up against the side, you know. And, and one day, a huge black cloud was coming over. I thought, what in the world? And it was like dirt was falling from the sky. I thought, what is this? Well, we didn't know what it was. Well, Mount Spur had erupted, this big cloud of ash, and we never heard that. So anyway, she's, uh, she's, so she gets out, and we get into the house, and we see this stuff coming down, you know, and it was getting dark. And we were in the process of building our, our septic. We had a big, huge hole right up against the house, the area that we were going to put our plumbing in. And a little while later, we heard this, help. What in the world, help? So mother opens the door, says, what is, who is this? He says, well, this is Cecil Clark, and I fell in some hole here. <laughs> and he says, I can't get out. <laughs> and he was a neighbor, a fellow with Clark's Road, if you know where that is, up Rabbit Creek there. And uh, he came over to check on us while, uh, you know, I was, so anyway, he fell in the hole. We went out through the ladder and helped him out and whatever. So, but <laughs> thousands more stories or whatever, but uh, it, it's, it, it was good uh, growing up in the early 40s and uh, uh, times has changed a bunch. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs>